0: Well Good evening. How's everyone doing? Good. Good,. You're good. good. How are we doing over there? Okay. <laughs> Let's all stand as we bring our prayers and praises to the Lord and song tonight. so much for your great love, your great compassion and mercy, Lord, we can't begin to give you the glory that you deserve, but we thank you, Lord, and we declare you the center of our lives tonight, Lord, we don't know what's going to happen from minute to minute, Lord, that story's already been written in our books. But you know. And you know that you're with us.
1: Jesus, be the center of the Lord's church. Every knee will bow. And every knee will bow. Every tongue confess. And, and every tongue will confess Jesus.
0: Voice is up to you, Lord God. Lord God, that is our our main prayer, Lord God. That You be the center of our lives. be the sun to our planets that revolve around it, Lord God. You be our everything. We thank You because You are that heavenly Father. Just lift up the service today, Lord God. According to you And again, I thank
2: you for everything that you do. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Praise, the praise God. Let's give God a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Bless your name, Lord. Bless your name. Today, uh, I believe our brother Ray is going to lead us in time of prayer, but I don't see him. Oh, there he is. Let's welcome my brother, Ray.
3: You. Can you hear me? Uh-oh. Can everyone hear me? I'll make sure I'm on the mic. Okay.
1: Hello, hello, hello,
3: hello. Hello, church. You know, I can get a little rowdy sometimes, so I've been sitting in the spirit of the word of God. I'm going to try to hold my mule, because I got a little excited at the table today. And I said, okay, use me and work through me for your will. Um, it's good to... Yeah. Amen, brother. Let the, let, them, let the spirit flow. Say that again one more time. Let the who? Let the river of life flow. That's right. Thank let you. Thank you. It's good to see everybody here. I'm glad to be here. Um, I know that we all had probably some struggles we've gone through and probably had some great success today or throughout the week. And I hope everyone had fun and enjoyed life. Everyone. So we know we're going to do prayer and a praise report, but I wanted to open up this moment with this word, and I just thought it was very powerful when God showed it to me. It's through 2 Samuel, and it's verse 18, if anyone would like to keep that in their memory, and take it back and just kind of eat on it for a while, and know about Jesus, and how powerful that redemption is. How powerful that redemption is, even then, it was a promise coming. 18, 2 Samuel, chapter seven, verse 18, then the king David went in and sat before the Lord, and he said, Who am I, O Lord God, and what is my house that you have brought me this far? He has not brought us this far to leave us now. Isn't that powerful that those words are in the Bible and we use that as a colloquialism today? He's brought us this far not to leave us now. So, wonderful thing. God, hallelujah, thank you. And yet, this was a small thing in your sight. In the scripture, he says, who has despised the day of small things? Look where we sit today in this ministry. We are fresh, some of us fresh, it be a year, six months, two years, five, ten, still fresh to God, time is nothing, out of a place called the wilderness, living in some beautiful homes that we did not build with our hands. Thank you, my beloved sister, for heeding the word of God. Thank you. Sincerely, thank you. It's a wonderful thing. It's a wonderful thing. So I'll end it with this and we'll get right to business because I didn't get up here to preach. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Now, what more can David say to you? Meaning us. For you, Lord God, know your servant. For your word's sake and according to your own heart, you have done all these great things to make us know them. Therefore, you are great, O Lord God, for there is none like you nor is there any God beside you, according to all that we have heard with our ears. Thank God we heard the mission and the ministry of Jesus Christ. There is no one greater. Father, we thank you for every situation that you have put us in. You've heard the names that were brought before you and exactly what is the situation that we're asking you to divinely step into and take charge of. We know that you work through us. We appreciate and love all that you do in the moment that we are able to respond to the fruit of the Spirit. So I believe the name was Divya and her daughter. Um, Be with them. If they do not believe, continue to put angels around them, your ministers around them, everyday people who know who you are, who can minister the truth of your love to them for that redemptive purpose so that when they should depart, they know that they are coming to you with your arms wide open. It's the only place that we want to be is with you, here and into the future. We just continue to ask for your divine covering. For you to minister us to your word that we stand strong in truth and in honesty for we know that your word is true there is no other word that will lead us into the path of righteousness no other word than your word the divine scripture and through the power of the teaching of jesus as we sit in it let us continue to be warmed by him comforted by him watch over kirk's father watch over him several falls have happened but we know that you are in control keep kirk in your rest Keep them prayed up. Continue letting let him come to you because you know that he knows you. And because he knows you, he'll keep delivering your word to his father. Your word will break stubbornness. Nothing, no, nothing is more powerful than you. Nothing. So we thank you for your word. We thank you for this congregation. You, we thank you for this time of meeting. We thank you for the minister who will come and minister your truth to us. There is a word for us so that we can be raised up, continue, continually trained up and support it as we walk out of this place. Thank you for your rest. Thank you for your comfort. Watch over our loved ones and friends and just keep them strong and keep them safe for the battle is real, but we know it is already won in you. In the precious name of Jesus, the living Christ. Amen. Amen.
2: Praise God for another Saturday. We all get to come together in fellowship. Um, I am humbled that the word of what we're doing here has been spread even amongst groups and people are learning about us and wanting to come fellowship. Um, Just bear in mind, we're not perfect. We're being perfected by Christ Jesus. And this is a place where we can come to and learn and grow, be comfortable in a sense of being free to worship. Not necessarily comfortable because there are some things that we will hear Um, that maybe not today, but some things that we will hear that make us uncomfortable, but it's because we know that God loves us. Today, we're going to talk about a battle, uh, a battle that I would venture to say 99.9999999% of the people in this congregation, even the ones visiting, even the ones that will possibly come here, As a matter of fact, I will say 99.9998% of the people that are on this planet have a struggle with. So we're going to confront that battle, uh, and we're going to proclaim the victory over that battle. So today, turn in your Bible to Nehemiah chapter 8, and we're going to talk about joy. Nobody got the contrast of that. (laughs) But we are going to talk about joy. It's very important for the Christian to realize where their joy comes from and to hold on to that. Because if you see a whole bunch of uh, sour, angry, bitter Christians, the world looks at that and says, what do they have that we don't? Because we're just as sourful and angry and bitter. Now I'm just pledging my allegiance to someone else and being sorrowful and angry and bitter and is that God's fault no that would be absolutely 100 percent the saint not exactly knowing where he stands in the love of the father so turn to Nehemiah chapter 8 we're going to be reading 9 through 12 and as we read our starting uh, passage I will ask you to stand in honor of reading God's word Nehemiah chapter 8 verses 9 through 12, and Nehemiah who was the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe and the Levites who taught the people said to all the people, this day is holy to the Lord your God, do not mourn nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law, then he said to them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet and send portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoiced greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, thank you for your word and thank you for your spirit. We pray that you teach us today. Not only teach us, but fill us and encourage us, help us to grow in the things in which you are showing and sharing with us. Let each and every one of us know not only how to uplift and uh, be uplifted, but also to uplift one another, that our joy may be full in you. In Jesus' name we pray, Amen. amen. You may be seated. Nehemiah and several other prophets had a not-so-fun task of rebuilding Jerusalem after having everything taken from them because of disobedience to the Lord. It wasn't a fun time because a lot of times when you're rebuilding and you're thankful for what you're getting back, you're also mindful of what you've missed. And just seeing the damage and devastation that went on, there's a longing and a sorrow that builds up because they went so far off course. And when they heard the words of the Lord, what Nehemiah and and the Levites did is they actually went and found the Torah and then brought it back out and read it to the people and said, we are so far off course. (laughs) And they all sorrowed for being so far off course and realizing we're not lined up with God like we should be. And Nehemiah is warning them in this moment Don't sorrow. You should be glad that God has restored you and is restoring the kingdom and has restored the relationship with you. So instead of sorrow, you should have joy because that joy of being restored to the Lord is the strength in which you will need not only to be alive and sustain yourselves but defend yourselves from everything that's around you. Your strength does not come from your muscle. Your strength comes from the Lord. And to have joy in the reestablishment of the relationship. That's not just Old Testament. The Lord is, the joy of the Lord is not just the strength of Jerusalem. Not just the strength of Israel. But it is the strength of everybody who knows what it is to have a relationship with the Father. Not just, uh, I know a God in heaven and to be able to throw prayers at him, but to know what salvation is, to know what I've been redeemed from, to know who I've been redeemed for, to know in whose arms I rest, and to know that no matter what happens here on earth, I am eternally secure with my Father in heaven, and if I shed this moral coil, I'm going home to be with him until eventually I am restored in a new body. The joy of the Lord is not just the strength of Israel, it is the strength of each and every one of us. They had in that moment an opportunity to celebrate being reestablished to a true foundation. And for a Christian, we should celebrate every day being established in a true foundation. Because just as much as the joy of the Lord was their strength, the joy of the Lord is ours. Now, when you hear that, let me... Let me First, before I go into that statement, use a, a horrible analogy. Some of you guys are very young. I'm learning that as I am getting older, that there's a lot of things that I'm associated with, unfortunately, that you guys have zero idea of what they are. I, I don't know how that happened. I used to be young and hip, and then everything changed. But there was a character back in the day, that was skinny and frail and couldn't talk right. I couldn't understand what he said, and I don't even know what he had in that pipe of his, but when he got a hold of a can of spinach, all of a sudden this man could whoop anything. Now, he had opposition in his day, and that opposition was named what? Bluto or Brutus or whatever they called him, I I never could figure out because I couldn't understand Popeye and I couldn't understand olive oil and I really couldn't understand Alice the Goon. And and some of you guys will have to go look all that up because you have no idea who those people are. But Bluto is big and strong and a bruiser. And he could wipe the floor with Popeye until Popeye got that can of spinach and somehow cracked open that and ate all that spinach. And he's whooping everything. If you were Pluto or Brutus, whatever his name is, wouldn't you think before you go to pick on this guy that you were gonna hide every single can of spinach that there is, you would absolutely throw it out? If you even see him reaching for it, you're going to slap it out of his hand because you know that's where his strength comes from. What do you think the adversary, El (laughs) Bluto, because I know the word is El Diablo, so we're going to call him El Bluto, what do you think he does to you and I? If he knows that the joy of the Lord is your strength, then instead of wait until you get strong and stand strong, he will aim to block your joy every single time. So when I talk about a battle that happens, that battle for us on a continual basis is to attack the joy that we have on the inside of us. And sometimes we don't even realize it. First thing, what is joy? Joy is is not what the world thinks. Well, I'm happy, well, I'm joyful, because a lot of that stuff stems from, well, I'm happy because I won the lottery, or I'm happy because uh, the dog finally came over to the house, or I'm happy because of all of these things that happen, which means that if none of those things happen, then I'm not happy, which also means that my happiness is based on the actions of others, which means that if people can make me happy, They can make me unhappy. Let me tell you something, especially those of y'all that, ah, I'm going to get in trouble. I'm going to get in trouble because I'm going to meddle. But some of y'all that are in relationships, one of the problems in relationships, whether it's a marriage, whether it's best friends, is that when someone else controls your happiness, you find out they control you. If your boss controls your happiness, they control you. If your spouse controls your happiness, they control you. And you are not meant to submit to that sort of manipulative power to anybody. You are meant to stand in love and truth and that nobody should have that kind of control over you. You say, well, should I quit my job? No, but you can have joy even though you may not like what your boss is doing, but they can't control how you feel and react. That is you. You can't give people that kind of power. Well, I'm unhappy because they called me a, a this, that, and the other. My son, that one day, he was, he was extremely unhappy because his sister called him a bee. And I pressed him to try and figure out, like, OK, I'll, what does she really call you? And he's crying, he, she called me a bee. You guys really shouldn't be using that kind of language. What exactly did she say? She called me a bumblebee. <laughs> <laughs> Just as irrational as seven year old Kyrie was in that moment is just as irrational as some of us are now. Because we can't control other people. I can't determine, okay, John's gonna do this, and if John does this, then I'm gonna be happy. I have no control over that. So if that's what controls my happiness, I'm gonna have problems. If getting a new car is what controls my happiness, no offense to. Uh, No offense, but if getting a new car controls my happiness, getting the Maserati controls my happiness, I'm going to have problems. Because all of these things, I'm expecting and even putting the responsibility on them to make me happy. There are several underlying problems with that. Number one, you give somebody else control. Number two, if I am expecting you to make me happy, I'm, I'm, I'm really expecting you to, to in, a, in a secular sense, worship me and bring me joy. I don't want that. I can find joy in what happens, and we'll cover the distinction, but relying on somebody else to make me happy is going to leave me disappointed almost every single time. So the joy that we have is not the happiness like the world has, fleeting, fleeting temporal. Our joy not only is internal, but if you read Galatians, the fifth chapter, which I didn't give to Kevin, the fruit of the spirit is love. Oh, I did give it to him. Well, sometimes I impress myself. <laughs> but the fruit of the spirit is love. Now, this is fruit, so this is not fruits. This is not This is one trunk with different fruits on it. The first fruit is, or the first example of it, the first offshoot of it is love. We talk about love all day long. We just spent a whole month talking about love. But what's the second one? Joy. We sing songs about it. I got joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Where down here, my. we sing songs. We know the songs about that. I kept trying to think of the life of me. What that third verse was, where it was like I got some long statement you make. This is weird, but we sing songs about it. But do we really value joy like we value love? Because joy is an offshoot of what the Spirit does on the inside of us, and it is an offshoot of the character of a Christian that God is building up. If we are saved, sanctified, and full of the Holy Ghost, and yes, I said Holy Ghost, because I'm, I'm going to have to go down that road in a minute. Uh, I, yeah, because, look, in in Pentecostal pastoral teaching, they tell you that some circles don't like when you say Holy Ghost, that you say Holy Spirit now, because Holy Ghost is old term. But you know what? I got to get comfortable and do this, because we got a little ways to go, and y'all just have to bear with me, because we need to get this joy back. So... <laughs> If the Holy Spirit, Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God is working on the inside of us to transform our character, love should be something that emotes from us, that oozes out from us, that produces fruit from us. But so should joy. Our daily walk of knowing what we have been saved from, who has saved us, the love he has bestowed upon us, The promise he has given us and the place where he expects to meet us in the sky until all of this is redone should bring us immense joy because that cannot be taken away from us. No matter what happens here on earth, no matter what seasons we go through, what God has given us cannot be taken from us. So others will see this joyful character that we have in what we do in our demonstration of our confession and our conduct. In other words, what we talk about, Willis, and what we do. How we say it, how we show up for work, say coup. At 5.10 in the morning when you bust in the bullpen looking at everybody like they got three heads and daring them to say something stupid. Uh, I'll put myself on blast, but I'll throw myself out there because I know there's a lot of other people in the same boat. They know we wear the cross. They know we practice on Friday and go to church on Saturday. And they know we love our Bible and we, they know we love the Lord and we'll say Jesus and we'll give them attitude and a heartbeat. Real quiet in here today. <laughs> Because they're looking for us to have something because we have Jesus that they don't have. And when we come to work the same way they do, when we act the same way they do, when we grumble about the same things we see on the news like they do, when we fear the stock market like they do, when we fear if two old people who should not run for office, uh, we're going to get sued. (laughs) not supposed to talk about politics in the pulpit. I'm going to talk about politics. When we are upset about two old people running for office and everybody is panicking or everybody's at each other's throats about republic crazies and democracies and we're in the same boat, then they look at us and go, well, what do you have that we don't? We have happiness, but how come you're angrier than I am? How come you're more bitter than I am? But you have Jesus. So evidently this salvation must not be that valuable because you don't value it. You don't. <laughs> Mark's giving me that look. <laughs> you don't value it. Evidently you do not know where you stand. You brag about it, but it must not be that important. That's like me bragging about Star Wars and never watching it. I brag about a stupid movie called Kung Pao, and I watch it religiously because I think it's the best thing since sliced bread. It's a stupid movie. (laughs) But do I talk about Jesus as much as I talk about Kung Pao? Is my joy in the silliness of a movie, or is my joy in the fact that I am saved? I am covered, I am redeemed, that there is nothing that shall separate us from the love of God, not death, not life, not hell, not things created, not things up above, not things below, not anything that is made can separate me from the love of God, which means that whatever my enemy throws at me, I'm covered. No matter whatever the the sickness throws at me, I'm covered. You can kill the body, but you can't take me away from my God. Do I have joy and do I share that joy where people know what I stand for? Now, look, joy, when when, when the Holy Spirit puts this on the inside of you and converts your character, there is such thing as renewing the mind. And and we talk about in some circles how there is parts of your soul you can can consider, your, your will, your logic, and your emotions. People look at joy as if it's purely emotional. Emotions can lie to you. Some of y'all, I'm not going to say who, but some of y'all, when y'all get the numbers, you know, the, the lottery's at 400-something million, whatever, and, and it's Wednesday, and you got your numbers, and you're like, four, four, eight, eight, <laughs> 12, 12, <laughs> 13, nine. Oh. So you were all happy in the beginning (laughs) until you hit the wrong number. And all of a sudden, boom, everything changed. But when everything is in line, number one, when you're serving God and you say, Lord, I surrender to you, which means I trust you no matter what I'm going through. And your logic, your thinker is saying, No matter what happens, I am walking by faith and not by sight. The joyful part of the emotion, which encompasses all of this, your logic and your will, but also your emotion, is that you feel confident and good knowing who you serve and that he has you covered and that there's nothing this world can throw at you that can permanently take you out of the picture. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be joyful. It doesn't mean that it's always going to be great or even pleasant, but you can have quiet calmness, which joy means. A quiet, I am content and pleased because you know where you stand with the Father. One of the saddest movies I ever watched, and I watched it with my then wife at the time, which probably was an indicator of <laughs> But anyways, we watched this movie called Titanic. I don't know why it was in a the movie theater. We went to watch it. The first thing, I was overwhelmed at how massive this movie was. And then in the scene where you know we all are looking for is when the boat actually sinks, hits the iceberg and sinks. Because everything up until that point is all just, let's get you warm and fuzzy with all the characters. But when it hits the boat, there was something that struck me about the people that reflected in line, waiting on a life raft. Versus the people, some of the people who were downstairs that were locked in and were going to drown. The people that were waiting on a life raft on a sinking ship and knew that they were guaranteed a seat had a quiet calmness about them because they knew, despite the fact that the ship was sinking underneath their feet, they were going to be sinking. There was panic. There was chaos, but they knew, being guaranteed a seat, that they were safe. Doesn't always mean that they were joyful and doing this, that, and the other, but they knew that they were safe. And then there's a couple uh, uh, that was in the, uh, there was a mother and her two kids that was in the bottom of the ship, and she knew uh, what was going to happen. But she comforted her children nonetheless with what was ahead of them after what was going to happen. And I thought about that because this salvation that we have, if you really think about it, we are on a life raft being taken off of a sinking ship. We're not going down with the Titanic. It's not always pleasant it's not always fun, and around us we see a lot of suffering and a lot of pain and a lot of heartache because we are on a ship that is doomed to sink, and then God will bring it back up and make it all new. But until then, because of sin, all of this is corrupted. But if we know that in all of the corruption and all of the problems that God's hand is over our life, that we have the Holy Spirit as a seal of his promise, then no matter what is going on, our joy should stand sure. That means that our joy is very important as we go through a process or or seasons in life. Because our joy sustains us. Romans chapter 12. That's not Romans. Romans chapter 12, uh, verses 9 through 12, is talking about how Christians should act. It says, let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate one to another with brotherly love. We won't go there today. In honor, giving preference to one another. We definitely won't go there today. Not lagging in diligence, not uh, being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, Continuing steadfastly in prayer. Let's stay there for a second. When we are rejoicing in hope, there, joy is a noun. You have joy. It is a person, place, or a thing. Rejoice and rejoicing is a verb. It's what you do. It's the act of demonstrating the joy that you have. So the Bible says rejoicing in hope as, as Paul writes to the Romans. Rejoicing in hope. The the Romans, who are in the middle of all sorts of drama and chaos and things coming against them uh, in this fledgling faith, rejoice in hope. In other words, have the right expectation as you go through whatever season you're going through. Whether it's a great season, God is blessing you, things are moving mightily, that you got the job, have joy. By all means, rejoice. Be thankful. You know what, God? You've been looking out for me. you got me covered. Thank you, Father. I I come to church, and I'll shout and yell, and I'll go out, and I'll shout and yell and do whatever. But then when that season turns into a night season, a 10 years in prison season, or you lost all of your money season, the doctor gave you something that he can't even pronounce season, do you still have that same joy that, you know what, Lord, I may have lost things. I may have lost even this flesh, but I have not lost my salvation with you. I have not lost my relationship with you. I have not lost anything with you. Rejoicing in hope. Hope is to look for the, uh, to have an expectation for God to keep his word. It's not I get in the car and I hope it starts. I hope I get up in the morning on time. Those are wishes. To have biblical hope is to know that God will perform his word and I am expecting him to do so. I'm expecting God to perform his word. So when I rejoice in hope, that means that in the from the promise to the performance there is a process that's going on that's not always great. Can you imagine when an army is coming against you and God gives you a promise but You know, you're watching this army day one, it's coming, day two, it's coming, day three, it's getting closer, day four, they're setting up horses and all this other stuff. Are you rejoicing just as you did when God said his word in the face of opposition, knowing that at some point God will perform his word? In other words, as you go through seasons, are you saying, you know what, Lord? I don't like where I'm at. I don't like the valley of the shadow of death. I don't like sitting at a table in the presence of my enemies. But at the end of the day, I know you are with me. I know that you are covering me. And I know that you will keep your word. Do you know why grandma and them, getting a little black, I, in the Baptist church, you know, you, you can't really get loud. <laughs> in our Baptist church, you can't really get loud. The pastor can get loud, but you don't get loud. So the grandmas, certain grandmas, they'd be in the back, and, and you know, you'd amen and this, that, but they would just get, and they just, they would just hum to themselves. And, and it, for a while, it used to just, like like, what are they even thinking? But they are recounting how faithful God is. And they're looking at all of the things that they had been through. And these grandmothers that were in the church at the time, these are civil rights grandmothers. And they had deep roots in having dogs sicked on them and water hoses and all of these things that me being ignorant and young had no idea about. So they're remembering the goodness of God and his promise that they would one day be able to sit on a bus where they want to or go sit in a restaurant where they want to while the police are beating them, while they're being chased by clan members, while dogs are being sick on them. And they kept their joy. They didn't like the process, but they kept their joy from the beginning all the way until God performed his word. And then they looked at his young folks like, what is wrong with you people? <laughs> Rejoice in hope. To keep that joy in the face of the opposition that is coming against you. Because the next part is being patient in tribulation. If you don't think a battle is coming, a battle is coming. As a matter of fact, sometimes a battle is already there, we're just not aware of it. And if the adversary can keep you depressed and sorrowful, then you don't have enough strength to stand up for the battle. Do you know the difference between sorrow and joy? Christian joy is based on what God has done and has us covered. Sorrow is based on what am I missing? I'm, 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 I lost something. I, I'm, I'm missing out on something. You know what that sounds like? Genesis, third chapter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> We're
2: going to mention that at least once. Have, have God said that you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Oh, I'm missing out on something. You see, when sorrow comes in our life, it's all about I'm missing something. Underneath I'm missing something is that same underlying problem that Adam and Eve had. I'm missing something means God does not have me fully covered. He's not looking for my best interests. And if I'm sorrowful for any reason, I'm going to go and seek my own comfort and it starts building a rift between me and God. The adversary knows that. Look, if you're a Christian, great. You want to give your life to the Lord? That's fine. So then the adversary goes around as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and says, you you can be a Christian. But you remember them days when you had 5,000 people watching you and everybody catered to you. Don't you miss those days? I mean, what do you have now? 25? And they don't even respect your talent. They say it's too loud. (laughs) They don't say that. A couple people have, but <laughs> and then you—I'm I'm just kidding. But I'm, I'm using that as an example. And then and then you sit there and and you get on the pity pot, you know, sacrifice your pity pig, and you go, you know what? Yeah, I am missing out. I used to have it so good, and you start sounding like Israel did when God took them out of Egypt. <laughs> Didn't we have it good in Egypt when we had leeks and melons? And then they leave off whips and building quotas and all these other things. Captivity, not having the freedom, your infants being slaughtered because the the powers that be are threatened. (laughs) Sorrow makes you think of yourself. Joy in the Lord makes you think of God's goodness and his promise no matter what season you're going through. We were going to go to James, but for the sake of time, When your joy is attacked, the adversary is literally out to discourage you or weaken you from being where you're supposed to be. And two things are either going to happen. You're either going to be forgetful, which is, you know, you get so caught up in everything going on that you forget how good God is. You know how many times the Bible says, forget not the Lord and all his benefits? I will remind myself, be reminded, all these different things. It's because in life, we get caught up in a whirlwind. We got so many things going on. We got baby daddy drama, baby mama drama, grandma drama, sister brother drama. We got work drama. We got bill drama. We got taxes drama. We got government drama. We got drama, drama, drama. And then for some reason, we turn on the TV and watch more drama. I don't understand that. But at the end of the day, we got nothing but drama, and that busyness just gets us so caught up, oh my goodness, and in this, and and, in this, and just, and in this, and you're going to forget. You're going to forget your keys. You're going to forget your wallet. You're going to forget to lock the door. I did that the other day. I got so caught up in a dog in a car, and then another dog, which I'm calling Nora, another dog running up and down the street that I'm trying to feed, that, and it was raining, and I'm like, oh yeah, and it's late, so I need to do this, and I need to get this, and I need to do this, and then I got in the car, and I'm like, okay, I'm going to go chase the storm, and I chased the storm, and I said, you know what, I'm driving pretty far away from the house, I should probably get back, so instead of going all the way out to 95th Avenue in McDowell, I went to 35th Avenue and came back to a door that was wide open, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and a, 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 the screen door is wide open, and the front door is wide open, and the dog doesn't want to go in the house. Nothing was in the house. Oh, good. I think the dog might have went in the house. Because Pina wouldn't go in there for an hour. But it's a case of forgetfulness. It's, and it's not just, you know, I'm, I'm getting old. But it's a case of doing... <laughs> Stop. <laughs> it's a case of doing so much that I'm overlooking some of the things that I begin to take for granted. When I begin to take the Lord's goodness for granted... I'm setting myself up for a trap. When I begin to take the Lord's benefits for granted, I am setting myself up for a trap. When I am beginning to take his love for granted, I am setting up myself for a trap. When I'm beginning to think of his long suffering as nothing and take it for granted, I am setting myself up for a trap. The other side of that Is just outright doubting God. And the Bible says without faith, it is impossible to please God. So when I get into these moments where I don't think that he's got me fully covered because the situation is so loud like Goliath that like the rest of Israel, I'm thinking, well, my strength is in my numbers, but this guy is huge, so I'm weak. And David said, my strength is in my God and I'm little, but my God is mighty. David remembered who his Lord was. The rest of Israel had forgotten, and because of it, they moved on into doubting their own ability to defend the land that was given to them by God. The adversary is always attacking, and sometimes we don't even see it coming. We don't even see the areas where it comes. My brother dealing with something right now that's coming from an area that is very intimate with him people that I know that are dealing with areas that are very close to them. And because that person is so close to them, like the Bible says, these wounds have I received in the house of my friends. Because they have that inroad. And the adversary can manipulate people that they may think they're doing one thing to you, but really it's a whole other thing behind that. They're just being pawns so that they can steal your joy and start getting you irritated and agitated so that instead of being the saint and standing strong, you start getting in the flesh and say, I'm going to knock this preacher out if you keep it up. <laughs> <laughs> so then that brings us to the third part of this verse. As we're going through tribulation and rejoicing and hope, we're often going back to remind ourselves of our relationship with the Father and spend time with Him. Steadfast in prayer. Not just, yes Lord, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. If I should die before I wake, pray the Lord my soul to take. But to actually go and say, Lord, you know, being, being a preacher before and after in all the situations, even in Pentecostalism, you have this, this, this desire to sound very weighty when you pray. So there's a lot of the, yeah, I'll admit it. And so, <laughs> and so there's a lot of the, oh, bless God and mighty heaven and on earth, and we bless your name, oh, Father, and we give you all, and you use this weird cadence, you don't talk like that normally. Can you imagine if your friend came up, "Hey, Kevin, I think that we're gonna play this song in a particular key with a particular timbre," and Kevin would look at me like, "Man, we're drug testing you." <laughs> you don't talk to people like that. Why would you? You talk to your parents like that? They would drug test you. And then when I got to Eagles Nest, um, Arnie and and Steve. And even Deb had to, you know, we would sit in a circle, and I'm thinking, okay, Father, in the name of Jesus, blah, 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 and they would, especially Artie. hello, Papa. And that just floored me. Like, how dare you have such just a, a familiar, just, ah, just, that's weird. That's, and then I was reminded, but I just showed you I am my father's son, which freed you from having to live a position and be my son, What's so wrong with taking the next step and saying, Abba, Father? Do you know when you can go into the prayer closet and have that conversation, no matter what you're going through, knowing that it's not God on his throne and you way distant, hoping that he hears you, but instead it's Abba and he's saying, yes, son that builds and it just reaffirms the fact that you have a relationship with the Father and not just a relationship with the Father. There is no other thing in creation that can call him Abba Father. Nothing. Not even the one that's trying to steal your joy. I hope y'all hear that. Because the one that is trying to attack your joy will never have what you have in Christ Jesus never have it. He will never know forgiveness. He will never know relationship with the Father like you do. He will never know eternity and peace and safety. He will never know that. And because of it, he tries to steal something from you that he will never have himself. I hope you think of that the next time you willingly give it to
1: him.
2: When you're constant in prayer, your attitude is right within the season. You know you are saved. You know you are a son of or daughter. And then you begin to show habitual appreciation. I used to pray a lot and every time I would be like, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And people would say, why do you say thank you, Lord, so much? And I became conscious of it and I stopped doing it. But the fact is, you know, I'm breathing. Thank you, Lord. They gave me a diagnosis of something that was supposed to kill me in 1997. And I'm still here. And they said, well, it could be two years, it could be 20 years, you, you just, you know, one day and then boom. And I'm still here. Thank you, Lord. I could have been not surrounded by anybody sitting over there in the zone, but I'm surrounded by people who are uh, encouraged, who edify, who build up, who argue, uh, who help me to be a better Christian, who chastise me, who get on my nerves. Thank
1: you,
2: Lord. Thank you, Lord. You say, why would you thank God for people that get on your nerves? Because it helps me to see where he's working on me. And within this area, it helps me to learn how to love in a situation where I can explore that to when I get out to areas where I don't know people, but I am well familiar with learning how to love in the midst of irritation. We better move. Lastly, Paul's example, joy is the declaration of Christian victory. I'm going to say that again. Joy is the declaration of Christian victory. The United States, even though it did something that a lot of people do not agree with in dropping bombs on Nagasaki and Hiroshima, when they won World War II, what did they do when they came back? They celebrated. Most nations that win a war after conflict will celebrate the victory. Can you imagine celebrating the victory while the battle's still going? Because you know the eventual outcome. You already know that the battle is won. So, no matter what you're going through, alright, I may lose the battle, but the war's already fought, and Jesus Christ has a victory. Fear not, in the world you will have tribulation. But fear not, I have overcome the world. It's a done deal. So whatever the world throws at us, is throwing at us because it knows it's lost at battle. You say, well, they can kill me. And then it just sends you to Jesus quicker? So it still hasn't won. We, when we are rejoicing in the love of the Father, are declaring the victory that has already been won through the name of Jesus Christ and the power of our Father. Declaring it loudly, in the midst of sickness, when we have joy, not happiness, but joy, it is declaring victory, even though Satan and illness and sin is attacking our body. When we are going through trials and tribulations and we rejoice, it is proclaiming victory, even though all of these things are out for our detriment. What the world and the adversary meant for evil, God still works it out for good. And guess what? At the end of it, our joy and our testimony, and standing on that strength, is what shows other people that the God that we serve is real, and there is none other. That's right. Philippians chapter three, brethren, join in following my examples, and note those who walk so walk as you have us for a pattern. For many walk of whom I have told you often, and now even tell you weeping that they are enemies of the cross of Christ. You, you, and you think there's people you know in the corner going. <laughs> But there are people who don't even realize that they're being used, and they're still enemies of the cross because they're out to try and steal your joy, steal your testimony. That is why we, we wrestle not with flesh and blood, but with principalities and powers. Because not everybody is intentionally vindictive. Go. Who's in this destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. So if we know what we know, instead of wanting to just break their teeth, we actually should. Pity them and say, Lord, what can I do to help this person see the light, even though they are trying to extinguish mine? Because they don't know what they're missing. Our citizenship, our citizenship is in heaven right now. So if the earth kicks us out, if the world kicks us out, so what? Our citizenship is already secure. It's in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul was writing this while he was in chains. He knew his road was ending in execution by Roman authorities, and he's writing these words to encourage the Philippian church who will transform our lowly body, that it will be conformed to his glorious body according to all the working by which he is able to even subdue all things to himself. He is all powerful. And if we know that, then even as they lead us to execution, we are still proclaiming that the victory is already won. We are still proclaiming that God is a good God. No matter what goes on, that he's a good, good father. I love that song because it reminds me of, of the fact that even though our earthly examples weren't all that great, He's showing us exactly not only what true love is, but the fact that no matter what you're going through, it cannot defeat you because you've already got the victory. In closing, two scriptures. One, Psalm 32, 10, and 11. This is the joy that is demonstrated by us. And we're created what? In the image of God. And not only are we created in the image and likeness of God, but now we have his spirit living on the inside of us. He empowers us. And the Bible says in Psalm chapter 32, verse 10 and 11, many sorrow shall be to the wicked, but he who trusts in the Lord, mercy shall surround him. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, you righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart. You say, well, my heart does not feel very upright. And that is where the adversary comes in to try and attack your joy by making you think about your flesh. But when you think about the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for you, then your soul cries out, hallelujah. Thank God for what he's done for me. No matter what it is that you've been through, no matter what it is that you've done, no matter what it is that you're thinking, because even though you're still wrestling with the flesh, he already has you covered. He who began a good work in you will complete it to the day of Jesus Christ. You had a bad week. He has created a great eternity for you. So when we rejoice, we're declaring the victory. And we have not only when we rejoice, but it says shout for joy for all the people who think you shouldn't shout. Shout for joy. Show that exuberance. I scare my dog when the Cardinals get a touchdown.
1: <laughs>
2: I didn't scare my dog a lot last, last year. But that's all right. It's a new year. But when they do a touchdown, man, I, I, I will shout. I will jump up. I will spill popcorn. How come I won't do that? Because the ultimate touchdown has been scored in the fact that we have eternal life with Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. But I want to show you one more thing before we celebrate a birthday. Zephaniah. How often do we go to Zephaniah? If we're created in his image, that means that the things that we do, he does. But he does them rightly. He does them purely. We're just, after we fell, we're a perverted image of who he is, but we still get what we got from him. Sing, O daughter of Zion, 14 through 17. Shout, O Israel. Be glad and rejoice with all your heart, O daughter of Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. The King of Israel, the Lord is in your midst. You shall see disaster no more. He has cast, uh, the Lord has taken away your judgments. He has cast out your enemy. You shall see disaster no more. In the day it shall be said in Jerusalem, do not fear, Zion. Let not your hands be weak. The Lord, your God, in your midst, the mighty one, will save. He, not us, he will rejoice over you with singing. Before we go to now, I want you to think about that. We sing here, imagine him rejoicing over us with singing. What's the next part? Come on, Kevin, you got to keep up. <laughs> oh, it's Eric. Oh, you didn't do the rest of it. Oh, that's unfortunate. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you with his love. He will rejoice over you with singing. That's him doing that. Because there's a joy that he has when his creation denies the lie and realigns itself with the truth. Glory be to God. So just as much as you're joyful because you've been restored to the truth, you have a joyful father who says, my children are coming home. My creation is getting restored unto me. And not only, uh, Richard asked me a question in our, in our Thursday Bible study about you know, just our relationship and our focus on God. But he is not just joyful in the fact that you are being restored to him. He's showing you off to all the rest of creation. You want to know what love is? This is what love is. You want to know why I created man a little lower than the angels? This is why. Because something with the agency to turn around and say, I deny truth, I deny adversary, I deny Lucifer and his rebellion, and I'm going to stand for God no matter what, he demonstrates and sets them up boldly and says, this is what it's all about. You say, well, all right. You don't know what I've done. I spent years in prison. I have committed some heinous acts. There ain't a man, woman on this earth that hasn't done something that more than likely they should be thrown under the jail for. And the Bible says that there is none righteous. No, not one. But we have a Savior who said, I will take all of your sin. Not just you but the sin of everyone upon myself and pay that penalty. And you know what? That debt is settled. But then he said, but wait! (laughs) There's more! I'm going to take what I have, which is my righteousness, which no man or woman could ever attain, and say, I'm going to give it to you so that when you stand before the Father as he sees me he sees you that is the reason why for a Christian it is important number one for us to have joy and recognize that and let that flourish number two to rejoice demonstrate it talk about Jesus and smile about it show God And show the world that no matter what you're dealing with, you know the underlying truth. Tell your boss, you know what, say cool, you're gonna do this? this." Yes. But behold the underlying truth. No matter what your day-to-day irritation with me may be, at the end of the day, my father still has me covered. Tell that sickness, yes, but No matter what you may do to this body, you can never take me out of the hands of my Savior. Tell that problem that you're dealing with. Yes, I see you and you're legitimate, but greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Rejoice in what God has already given you. And then thirdly, enjoy the time that you have here in your relationship with the Lord a lot of people think that Christians need to be frigid and cold and just absolutely distant from everything else and that is not that is not true that makes, unha- that makes joyless Christians take joy in seeing creation as it is when you go on that hike and you hear the birds when you marvel at, at, at life and the creation of life And sometimes, when life ends, when you look at all the things and Marvel that God has placed on this earth, the way things work, despite what man tries to do and despite what the adversary tries to do, and you say, what, Lord? Even though I know this world is corrupted, I can enjoy certain things because I know I walk with you. You can enjoy time with family and recognize them for who God created them to be even if they don't see it. You can enjoy your time on your job, the opportunities that you have to be able to speak to people about the goodness of God and his everlasting love, to enjoy the things that you go through because you don't walk alone. You walk with the Savior. And even if you're sitting at that table in front of your enemies with that blessing, he's with you. Even though you're going through that season where you're walking by the valley of shadow of death, he's with you. And it may not be pleasant, and it may not make you happy, but you can enjoy it because you see more and more of your Father, more and more of your Savior, and with us, more and more of the Spirit that lives on the inside of us that empowers us on a daily basis. Do not let the adversary steal your joy so easily. It should be a precious treasure that you say, you know what? I know where my strength is. I know what God has done for me. And I'm not going to let anything take that away. You can take away theory, but you can't take away my experience. And I know who my Father is. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, yet again, we come before you. And marvel at your goodness. Marvel at your love marvel at the fact that of all created things on earth in heaven even under the earth you have chosen to bestow your love upon us and have adopted us to be sons and daughters and have promised us a place with you and an inheritance something that you have not given to anything else in your creation Lord, you have been so good to us. Help us to remember that in the moments when the world attacks us with temporal tactics. Lord, help us to remember the joy that you have placed on the inside of us, the relationship that we have with you, your goodness, your mercy, your loving kindness, your long suffering, all of your attributes. You are our provider, you're our healer, you're our deliverer, and you have sustained and will continue to sustain till you bring us into your kingdom fully. So Lord, as we go through this week and things try to attack our joy, let us stand strong and hold fast your word, your promise, and our experiences that we may declare your victory no matter what battle we are facing. We pray this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you all stand? (laughs) I know that song. I'm going to tell you right now, the adversary is going to try and shame you when you declare the victory and try to be joyful. But you should tell the truth to shame the devil. (laughs) You should get rowdy for Jesus you should declare his goodness. You should get as ecstatic about it as you would about any other thing going on because you have something that is far greater than anything this world could ever provide. So share your joy, share your smile. Let all of the things that try to affect you negatively, put them in their proper place. Put the temporary with the temporary and let your eternal shine and share your eternal joy with the people around you. And you don't know, all fires start with a spark. All it needs is one spark to jump on somebody else and then they get joy and it jumps on somebody else and then they get joy. And next thing you know, everybody is bubbling over because they are sharing in the joy and the love of the Father. Be that catalyst. Don't be the sour gorilla eating a lemon. (laughs) Be that catalyst for joy and change in Jesus' name. Would you all lift your hands for the benediction? Now may the God of peace, who brought up our Lord Jesus from the dead, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you complete in every good work to do his will, working in you what is well-pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ to whom be glory forever and ever, Let the church say, Amen. Amen. God bless you.